Hi, everyone. I'm Maya Fleming, and you're listening to Gentler, a podcast about postgrad life, adulthood, and self-care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gentler. This is a new Gentler chat episode, and I'm your host, Maya. Okay, anyway, it's been a while since I posted these episodes, and that is mainly due to the fact that I recorded a bunch of interviews, lost said interviews, and then just was like, F it. But I have since recovered the recordings. So we are back doing gentler chat, and today I am talking to Carlana Charles. Carlana is a writer, she's a business maven, and she's a coach. So we talk about self-care while being an entrepreneur, setting boundaries, and then enforcing them, which is the key part. And then a lot about things that women can do to protect themselves in their career, like making sure they're being paid fairly, stuff like that. Please give it a listen. The audio is not my best, but the value is still there. If you enjoy it, please share the episode, rate and review it, and check out all of Carlana's information in the show notes. I'll talk to you all again soon. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for being with us here today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. So I first wanted to give you the chance to tell my listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. All right. Um, Well, first of all, I would like to say thank you for having me. Um, I do enjoy the podcast and I'm so glad that I get to be not just a listener, but a contributor for a year. I am Kalana. I am a writer, storyteller. I work with women in a coaching capacity. And I'm also a business maven. So that is me in a nutshell. I am based in the Caribbean. I live on an island, so I'm I'm an island girl. And I really just enjoy working with women, working with my community. I'm all about empowerment through transformation and helping people to get the tools to go from where they are and where they want to be. So that has been a theme that has been in my work professionally and through the nonprofits that I have organized and the different projects that I do. Awesome. So I can't wait to get into all of that um, a little bit later. But first, I wanted to ask and asking all guests, what is self-care looking for you, looking like for you right now? (laughs) You know, in these challenging times we are in these days, um, self-care is definitely looking different for me. I would say that self-care looks like giving myself the grace to be human. Mm. I, I've struggled with that a lot in the past. It is, it's been also about building my work around my life and okay. not the other way around. Mm, yeah, that's it, big. <laughs> yeah, it's also about setting boundaries and enforcing them. And I think, especially in the past week, it's really been about listening to my body. So that's what self-care is looking like for me these days. Nice. And yeah, I I love the the added piece of not only setting the boundaries, but enforcing them. I think that's the part that people forget a lot of the time. Uh That this boundaries are a two-process thing. so I wanted, you said you were a business maven, and I want to hear all about that. A lot of the gentler listeners are looking to start their own side hustles and work for themselves someday. So could you speak a little bit more to your past as a business owner and entrepreneur? Sure. I want to say that I started my first business at the age of nine. I distinctly remember um, making popcorn and making um 
some of our local West Indian and Caribbean confectionery and bringing mm -hmm. it to school to sell. Now, I um, I'm a child of divorce. So my parents had recently divorced. My mom moved back to Grenada, which is where I currently lived, live mm -hmm. um, when she separated from my dad, her ex. And, you know, our lifestyle changed drastically. So I saw my mom struggle a lot. And I thought, how could I help, you know, lighten some of the load that she had? And that's when I started my first business. And I did that all the way to high school when my mom decided, you know what, she didn't want me to be selling things at high school because she didn't want the stigma attached to that. Mm. And, um, you know, being considered like the poor kid or anything like that. So she decided to shut that down. But I was happy to take that hustle all the way through high school. <laughs> um, fast forward, I, um, I started working pretty much right out of school. And at... I believe it was about 23, I started my other business, which was a pet sitting business. I live in okay. an island where there, yeah, where they, um, there are a lot of marinas and you would find like a lot of people with their boats. And so they would, you know, want to travel back to their islands or their countries of origin. And they needed somebody to um, pet sit. Now I had a colleague at the time who had a very vibrant side hustle, pet sitting dogs but nobody would sit cats so i started a cattery mm. which is actually what it's called and um you know that inspired me to keep trying new and unusual things because within the first year of starting that business i was able to buy my own car so i bought my first car wow. that. i'm telling you mine it wasn't a brand new car but um it made me see that you know sometimes an idea could become something that creates more access for you. So it wasn't just about money. It's what that car represented as well. And I think from there, I was bitten by the entrepreneurial bug. Um, I worked in management for a while for um, a global company. And after five years there, I had started off in administration and moved my way up to manager, operations manager. I was kind of, I think I had enough of working with people and from there, I decided I wanted to take a year off and travel. And some of my clients convinced me to delay it and support them outside of the company. And I started my business, and it's been 15 years going strong. Wow, congratulations. That's incredible. Thank you. So during all those times, what role did self-care play in your life? And did that ever evolve into a different position? Well, I have to tell you, like, honestly, for the first, okay, so I went full-time with this business in 2006, and I didn't know what self-care meant until 2014. I think wow. for me, self-care was something that I built in, you know, after I did my work and I made my money and I supported my clients. It was treated as an add-on, an accessory. Now, at the time, I was... Um, married to my ex-husband it was a deeply abusive marriage and it 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 since ended but coming out of that it really gave me um a pause and I had to look at who I am in light of where I've been who I am becoming and how I want to honor myself going forward and at that time self-care became this 
this sort of a quest I started not at a time seeing it as self-care um but more along the lines of honoring myself and living from a place of worthiness that became my quest and as I sat with that and I sank into that how am I going to honor myself how am I going to care for myself or show up for myself today I recognized that I had to build like a framework for what that would look like so it would not be some random ad hoc sporadic thing Mm-hmm. It would be really a lifestyle. And uh, I got into journaling during my, my marriage because it was really a safe space to explore my inner landscape and the things that I was going through. And I've stuck with it since then. I journal every day. You know, even if it's for five minutes, I really sit with myself and check in with myself. And I started to say, okay, I am feeling so nourished just sitting here, putting pen on paper, exploring this narrative that I'm carrying. What would, what else could I add to augment this experience? And I decided to do other things like, um, you know, spending time alone. Um, Boundaries have been a big part. It's also about telling family and friends, I'm not accessible after this time Mm -hmm. because I need time for me. And they, they know that after many years that you don't call my house after seven or message my phone after seven, unless it's an emergency, don't do it. So it's really been about boundaries and just being intentional about how I care for myself. That evolves based on the seasons and where I am at. And I, um, I struggle at times, you know, but it's really about, you know, just kind of honoring yourself and who you are at your core and just you know, just being intentional about it, you know? I feel yeah. like we forget that, you know, people will come and go mm-hmm. on this journey of life. Like, I've been married. I'm now divorced. Um, I've had relationships that didn't work out, but you're always with yourself. Yeah, that's so true. So you have to nourish that relationship that you have with yourself because you're the only person guaranteed to be there at the end of the road. I love that. That's That's so true. Um, I'm a huge advocate for journaling. I tell, I talk about it all the time on the show, um, but I'm always interested in different ways that people journal. So what are your favorite journaling methods that, that you've implemented? So I am, um, you know, my, my favorite method of journaling is just doing like a kind of a brain dump where I mm. just sit with myself and I just empty whatever it is I'm carrying inside. I don't bullet journal. I like to flesh things out and you know, kind of make meaning from that. That's mm-hmm. that's my preferred style. <laughs> now, I am a certified journal therapist, so I do teach women journaling workshops. I do journaling workshops where I teach women how to journal and how to get the most out of journal journaling. And I find that, um, you know, helping them to just take their time and just explore, just go with it, just go with the story, just don't try to put a framework around it. it it doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't have to be structured whatever it looks like for you just let it be when you yeah. show up on the pages however it comes forth let it come forth as long as you're doing it yeah i i would agree just as long as you're just making the space and, and forming the habit the benefits right. will come indeed 
So what challenges do you think women and Black women in particular face with carrying out self-care? Hmm. I could talk about this for a long time because, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a long list. Yes. I mean, as a Black woman and as someone who's really, you know, been, like, I follow our history, I understand where we are, who we are, no matter where we are in the diaspora. I think one thing that connects all of us is that, you know, we have been taught to serve others before we serve ourselves. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we give the best of us and come to the table empty. Yeah. So I think that is one of the biggest challenges that I see. This this feeling that we always have to put ourselves on some sacrificial altar. Tropes also get in the way. The strong Black woman narrative is, is very disturbing. And I think it serves to kind of reinforce this need that we can manage everything that life throws at us. And we can't. We're just like everybody else. So I, I think those are the two biggest challenges that I see. And also, I think, to add a third one is, I think all our communities make light of things like depression and yeah. mental illness. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on TikTok. That's my guilty pleasure. Me too. <laughs> it's <laughs> really bad. I mean, it's so bad. I mean, one of the, the, the memes that I see is, you know, when, when, when people of African descent go to their parents and they say, I'm depressed, and they said, you're depressed, depress those dishes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, depress your homework. So, um, you know, I think there's this idea that self-care is luxuriating in a bubble bath or doing, uh, you know, some facial or something, and I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just one small part of it. But I think mm-hmm. self-care really goes back to the whole need to care for ourselves and have a good relationship with our body, our minds, our emotions, and so forth. So when we make light of that mental side, it, it, it doesn't serve to, to help us. You know, it, it works against us. So you find like we become very lopsided. We're strong in certain areas, but like that side that we don't focus on, we 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 just we just are really weak there. So <clears throat> I think I'm strained, but um <laughs> I think the you know the, the whole point of it is that we have to get to the place where we know self-care is not luxury, it's a necessity. Yeah. Um it's your right. Um, Audrey Lott has a really popular statement on self-care and uh, I mean her being a black woman especially of Caribbean descent and her parents were from my island I think she got it and I think we also need to get it that you know we are entitled to care for ourselves Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I yeah I love that you know it it is something that's painted as a luxury and only for white people or for rich people and we have to be able to reclaim that for ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. So as you help women who are in the workplace, 
um, and navigating through that. Are there any unexpected challenges that come up sometimes? Like, I think as women at this point, we we learn to expect to be underpaid in a way, and we learn to expect microaggressions. But do you ever find anything that's a little bit unexpected for women? Um, my experience is it might be a bit different because where I am in the Caribbean, we don't necessarily have racial challenges. Mm -hmm. um, we more have an issue of class. Yeah. So one of the things that I see come up in the workplace a lot uh, and in the business space is that opportunities go to people based on who they are and their class in society. So, and I mean, that's a struggle. I have struggled yeah. against it. I think that's our eternal struggle where some people are not given a fair shake simply because they're up against Mr. This or Mr. That, son or daughter or, or whatever. That's one of the things that I see. Um, <clears throat> one thing, sorry, that I, um, but the, cha the changes are coming. One of the things that I used to experience a lot and one of the things my clients used to talk about in the past is that, you know, when they went for opportunities, the first thing somebody would ask is, who are you connected to? Mm. And I remember even when I got my last job, they were, people were surprised that I actually got a job at a company and they were like, well, who, who gives you a hook of who you're connected to? Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of culture, it, it, um, it still surprises me when it surfaces its head because I feel like 20 years ago that was an issue and it seems to be so even more now because of our challenge with COVID and limited opportunities. You know, you hear about it a lot, like, people are really struggling to compete with people who I think business owners feel like if I give this guy a job or if I give this guy a contract and he's connected to this person, it can help me. Yeah. So whether the person who is tendering for a project or applying for a job is really qualified and many times overqualified, they get looked over. And that is something that really burns me. Yeah, I could imagine it because there's no way to really prepare for that. And it's really just annoying when you know deep inside that you're good for the position or the job. You just don't have the same access as someone else. Yeah. yeah. Um, what advice would you give to women just starting out in their careers? A lot of the gentler listeners are post-grad and, you know, we're just starting out or we've worked for a year. So what advice would you have to give to people like us? Hmm, that's a very good question. I think um, I think when you know starting in the workplace, one of the advice that I would give is to, you know, be be confident with where you are. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people go into the workplace and they get intimidated, and we all have a place to start. Like where you are now isn't gonna look the same as where you end up in five years from now. And there's no shame in that. It's all part of your journey. I think it's just embracing the journey and, and not try to get too much ahead, not in mm -hmm. the sense of stay down, but don't, don't just be so future-minded that you are five years ahead because you have a projection for where you want to be, that you do not enjoy the journey from the first day to five years, you know, because you become so goal-focused that you miss all the little beautiful things that happen between milestones. 
Yeah, I think that's that's a good reminder for myself even because I'm someone who was so focused on getting to the next stage that I take out all the enjoyment out of where I currently am. So that's definitely useful advice for me and I'm sure it would be useful advice for the listeners as well. Where can listeners find you? Right, so I am on my website, which is my name, kalanashiles.com and C-E-R like a car, kalanashiles.com. I am also on Instagram at um, Instagram at Kalana Shells. I am not very active on Instagram <laughs> for some reason because I'm trying to reposition my Instagram at this time. Yeah. And I am kind of focused more on my newsletter. I get a lot of, I think I give more value from the people who yeah. subscribe. So I'm trying to stay where I'm giving the best value and people are resonating with what I'm offering. So that's where I have been spending a lot of time. But um, I still pop in on Instagram once in a while. And um, I do have a Facebook page, which is attached to the nonprofit that I um, set up a few years ago, which is called Fempowered. Um, so it's Fempowered GB. And I also share content there from time to time. It's A lot of it is angled towards my local um, audience. But I think, um, you know, issues that affect and impact women still have a, a universal appeal. So I still think people will find value from checking that, checking that page out as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I will have all of that linked in the show notes as well so people can easily find it. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? I would just invite your listeners to, you know, keep supporting you and what you're doing. I I love it when I see younger people being advocates for self-care, especially in our community, because you're breathing against a culture that believes that we don't need to talk about this stuff. It's akin to airing our dirty laundry or yeah. not being strong. And I mean, every time you put on a podcast or you or somebody in the space share content that is anti that message, I mean, it's helping break a lot of the generational challenges that we in the Black community have struggled with. So I um, I just want to say, you know, keep listening to, to the podcast. This is what I would have because <laughs> I'm enjoying the evolution of it. And um, feel free to visit my website from time to time and touch in if you want to say hi or if anything resonates with you. Thank you. That was really encouraging as well. So thank you so much for that. Um, And like I said, everything will be in the show notes. And you all, please go check out Kalana's content and her newsletter. I love putting out great value in newsletters. So I know that newsletters can be a great place to find just the meat of the conversation for a lot of people. So don't don't turn your nose up at them (laughs) awesome thank you so much for listening to this episode of gentler if you enjoyed it please give it a rate and review an apple podcast follow us on instagram for more self-care advice at gentler pod and check out our website for more info www.begentler.com talk to you all soon bye